Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to find more about that company, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I got two co-hosts again tonight, Brad and Kerry Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to learn more about their company, check out MuskieMayhemTackle.com. Today we're going to have two guests. We're going to talk to Joe Kaiser with Muskie Mob Guide Service. He does a lot of fishing. He's kind of all over the place, but he does a lot in Illinois. I know he's done a bunch in Green Bay. I think he's done some stuff on St. Clair. And then before we talk to Joe, we're going to talk to Rich Reinhardt, who runs the Wisconsin Muskie Expo. And we're just going to get a little breakdown on what you can expect from that expo. Should you decide to come out and see Team Rhino Outdoors there, our biggest booth ever at five is where we're going to be sitting with the Wisconsin Muskie Expo. Hopefully we see a bunch of you there. Because I know we have a lot of listeners in Wisconsin, in Minnesota, and Illinois. Although I doubt we're going to see too many Illinois guys, but maybe they'll come up and just see our booth. Anyways, Brad, Kerry, it's been uh, all of a couple days since I talked to you and recorded a podcast. But how are you guys doing tonight? Doing great, Jeff. Looking forward to the next podcast here. Pretty excited to uh, be here again. You know, you did the bonus one. Basically, what, three days? We're going to have a bonus, and then you got another podcast right again on wednesday on the normal time yep kind of busy over here at backlash podcast overachieving is what i'd call that well you're an overachiever jeff there's no doubt about that so it's all good we, we love you for it i'm just happy that carrie's here because the text message i got like half an hour said she was going to bed so thankfully she's here hi carrie you gonna talk to us tonight sure you're neglecting to fill in the rest of that conversation i don't know going to bed i don't remember the rest of it imagine that I just remember you going to bed. That was all I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one announcement I have is that, you know, as we're editing some of the stuff that happened last year for our YouTube channel, we are also happy to announce that we are going to be releasing over the next 16 weeks segments from our videos that we did back in the day. So it's going to be kind of like a throwback Thursday. So When you hear this on Wednesday, the following day, our first segment of uh, Big Blades, Big Muskies, the first segment will be the Minnesota Muskie Tournament Trail. And that is an actual segment from Billy Beekner and Jason Hammernick, the Minnesota Tournament Trail. So that will be released Thursday, basically tomorrow after this is released. That's pretty cool. Kind of exciting. I don't know if I have any really super exciting news for Team Rhino Outdoors this week. Oh, I kind of do. I mean, for anybody that cares, we finally have Joe Booker Outdoors in the TRO store. So that's pretty exciting, I guess, if guys want depth raiders and shallow raiders and whatever. Right now, we just have a bunch of stock colors, which is, eh, it's fun that we have them. But everybody knows the custom stuff is the coolest yet. So hopefully we'll be coming down the road with some custom stuff. But for now, if you want depth raiders, shallow raiders, Baby depth raiders, baby shallow raiders, prisms, all that stuff. Top raiders, we have it. How far away are you from actually getting the the uh, the custom stuff, Jeff? Eh, four years. It's about how long it took to get four to the bookers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, we'll hopefully the podcast is still going four years from now, and uh, we can make that announcement. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I hope it's a lot quicker than that, but it took a while for us to iron things out with Joe Booker Outdoors. But now that we have a relationship, hopefully that hopefully it'll go quite a bit quicker. I mean, if anybody knows me, I don't like to move anything too super slow. 
So I would have liked to have had them already, but you know, I got to play with, I got to play by their rules. So we'll, uh, We'll go down that road here shortly, and I'll start to push them a little harder and see what we can get going. Well, either way, that's really cool news for most of the listeners out here and your customers. So, good stuff. Now, I'm just waiting to announce that we get the Rabbit Girl in TRO, then life will be complete. <laughs> you know, the Rabbit Girl, has uh, it's taken off. You know, it was big in Chicago. It was really big in Milwaukee. It'll be again in Minnesota show. Anyway, I mean, uh, you know, that's our hope that we want to try to release that to some of the stores yet this year. So it's going to be kind of a stretch. It's, it was a stretch to get rabbit squirrels kind of going and get them into the stores. And most of the stores have been very patient with us. It's been a, kind of a bigger uptaking. We're slowly getting there. So hopefully the rabbit girl will be shortly behind. Well, enough BSing. Let's go. Uh, let's go talk to Rich Reinert about the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, and then we'll follow it up with uh, talking to Joe Kaiser from Muskie Mob Guide Service. All right, everybody. We got Rich Reinert, the founder of the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, coming up in Wausau, Wisconsin. Rich, thanks again for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. I'm glad to be here, Jeff. So, for people that don't know, new to the Muskie world or whatever, why don't you talk a little bit about the show? Give us the uh, location, the dates, the times, and then we'll. Talk a little bit about what's going on that weekend. Well, the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, this is our ninth year. It starts on Friday, March 6th, and uh, runs through Sunday, March 8th. show opens up at 2 p.m. on Friday and runs till about 8.30 at night. I thought that'd make you happy, Jeff. You know, we by that time, people are settling down, so we, you know, we can get some dinner early. But uh, Saturday, March 7th, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., Sunday, we're uh, March 8th. It'll go from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's going to be in Rothschilds at the Central Wisconsin Convention Center, which if you're anybody listening is familiar with the Rothschild area, which is basically a suburb of Wausau. It's basically in the area where Skinner Mountain is. There's a strip mall over there that's connected to the Central Wisconsin uh, Conference Center. If you find Skinner Mountain, you're definitely going to find the Wisconsin Muskie Expo. And when we're talking about the venue... That's probably one of the nicest venues that we go to throughout the course of show season. It's a lot of parking, easy in, easy out for the vendors. There's a hotel right there with a bar and the whole thing right on it. So if anybody wants to come out for the weekend, it's a super venue to come out for the weekend. There's a nice pool there and there's a kiddie pool and everything. So anybody that wants to bring their family, heck, you can even go stay down the road. There's a water park right down the road. I think guys can stay at two if they want to, you know mom and the kids can stay there if they don't want to come to the show so it's like i said it's one of the better venues that we that we go to during the course of muskie show season well we've definitely have been happy with it and you're exactly right the holiday inn is hooked up to the, the conference center so a lot of people actually that i think they're just about full i think there's a few rooms left it's amazing in jeff every year the two and three day passes the sales keep going up and up and up and People don't make this a one day. They come out for two and three days. And so we fill actually the Holiday Inn. We fill Econo Lodge, and I, and I hear they're getting close. There's a couple, another uh, hotel in the area that we also fill. So we're filling basically three hotels. We need a fourth one, that's for sure. And you mentioned Stony Creek. You know, they're there. That's the other one that we fill up. But they've also got, it's owned by Stony Creek, but it's called like, it's the Grand Lodge. And yes, they do have an indoor water park and it's a blast. A lot of guys are bringing their families up there because of the fact that they can 
they can go to the show and mom and the kids are out having a good time at the water park. And of course, you know, their kids will come in and that's another thing. Kids are free. So kids up to 13, you know, they come on in. We, we want to get more kids in the sports. So the doors are open for them. That's awesome. You guys got anything else going on for kids over the course of the weekend? If you remember, we tried the first three or four years and it was amazing. We, we were, we gave away rods and reels even to bring, you know, for parents to bring their kids out. And that kind of, we couldn't really get the, you know, parents out with the kids, but we're going to try something different. There seems to be more kids coming. So next year we're going to actually have a kid's corner and we're working on that right now. So we're going to have a lot of events for kids to do as well. Another thing I was going to mention, you know, on each day, uh, you know, people come out, they go to the show, but on each day, like for instance, if, you know, some of the, you know, the first 200 people through the door, they'll receive a free musky lure. And that's on Friday. On Saturday, we uh, give away a free musky leader. And those are given with, uh, from GT Rod and Reel. Sunday, the first 250 paid attendees that are 18 years or older will be entered into winning a free week stay at Whispering Winds Resort on Lake Vermillion in Minnesota. You know, we've got stuff like that going on. We've got, you know, a sign-up sheet for our digital newsletter. And we'll take in all the people that have entered, you know, signing in to that sheet, have a chance to win a free custom-made rod, which will be an 8.6 Vexen with an 18-inch rear grip. You know, big talk about this uh, Revolution uh, real seat. That'll, that rod will have one. It'll be a split grip rod. You know, so they have a chance to win a custom rod. Every day, one paid attendee will win a free musky rod. And that's courtesy of Hook Look Lures. You definitely need to be present to win in the rod. And then you got stuff like Lax. I mean, he's been doing this every year. You bring a picture of your biggest muskie that you caught this past year. And if they draw your picture with your name, you have a chance to win a free replica mount from Lax Reproductions. So it's stuff like that we do. We, we try to add stuff every year, you know, to, I mean, people enjoy that stuff, you know? Absolutely, so, they do. Yeah. And your show, you, you, you know, bet. your show seems to be getting bigger and bigger every year. I know, like I said, it's one of our favorite events to go to. We like going to all of them, but there's something special about Northern Wisconsin. You know, that's, it's kind of like where a lot of us call home, you know, it's, and it's a little different flavored show than the rest of the shows, you know, you, I don't want to say it's like smaller, but it's just, it just feels like a little more cozy, you know, it's just it's got a different feel because it's Northern Wisconsin. And that's one of the reasons why we love coming up there. Well, believe it or not, there's 130 booths in that show. I think there's a few more than that. There's a, it's like 135. And I think most of the shows are running, you know, 140 to 150. You know, I haven't been to them in the last several years, so I'm not quite sure. But I know that we're, we're sitting at about 135 booths. So it's a good show for the day to come out to visit, you know, the people that make tackle. Your booth, your, your booth is tremendous. Your booth, as well as Ross's sports shop, I mean, you basically have anything and everything that anybody could ever want. I love your booth because you bring all the hard-to-find custom stuff that you can't find every day in a lot of stores. You know, Team Rhino does a fantastic job with their booth. So that's always a highlight for me because, as you well know, I'm already digging in your booth come Thursday night, you know, come set up to see what you got. Your stuff is great. Well, from what I understand, our booth is even bigger this year. It's the first time I think we've ever done five booths at a show. Typically, we're at four and it's jammed from corner to corner. So this one, hopefully, will have things spread out a little bit more. I don't know that we're going to bring a whole ton more. We're just going to be able to not feel like everything's so cramped inside the booth. We still try to make it look good, but 
sometimes trying to jam, you know, I think, I think at the other shows we would put a roughly 1200 peg hooks up. So we're still doing about 1200 peg hooks. We're just going to kind of spread it out a little bit more and hopefully we'll have a few new t-shirts and different things that we haven't had at any other shows at this particular show. But yeah, Rich is usually there on Thursday digging through everything that we have. And usually some of the stuff we have is kind of limited and pretty cool. So hopefully we have some more. It is. And that's what, you know, you had mentioned before our show's a little different. Now, you know, yes, you're there. You know, Ross's sports shop is there. We've got Chaos Tackle will be there. You know, Suic, some of the, you know, the bigger companies. But we have a lot of smaller companies that show up there as well that they normally don't attend at the other musky expos. So we're really thankful for that. We've always tried to, you know, schedule in line to where people can afford to come in there and so that they can see a lot of these smaller guys and, it's just like your booth. Like I said, you have all this custom stuff that's hard to find and, and that's good stuff. That's what, you know, musky fishermen are looking at. If there's anything you want musky wise, I, I don't think you have to go very far when you come to the Wisconsin Muskie Expo because there's everything from, you know, rods, reels, to, you know, lures, you know, terminal tackle, uh, t-shirts, uh, you name it. It's got muskies, even musky cookies. I mean, I think uh, that we've had a lady the last few years, she comes out and she makes musky cookies and she does really well and she's going to be there again this year. So it's all musky, the whole show from, you know, from front to back to side to side, it's all just musky fishing. I think more importantly, what I see happening with these guys coming to the show is they're able to spend time with you as well as all the other vendors. And, and you know, we, we make the aisles wide enough so there's room, the, the guys are able to get into the booths. And they're able to spend some time talking to you. It's a very laid back atmosphere. We don't put up with any drama and we just have a good time. And that's what it should be. And that's what it's all about for me. The one booth that's non-musky or one of the booths that's non-musky related is my son's favorite. It's the uh, sausage and jerky stand. That's, that's my son's favorite. That's true. You're right. Well, yeah, that doesn't, well, indirectly, it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with musky fishing, (laughs) but you know what? If you're out there pounding, you know how many, what's amazing about that booth, Jeff? is how many people put in their orders that he brings on Sunday. And I think he does a huge business and, and vendors as well as even, you know, attendees that are coming to the show. They'll put in a, a big order and they'll come pick it up on Sunday. And he's got a truckload of boxes that people of orders that he puts together and they take that stuff home. I mean, he makes some of the best, you know, beef jerky and he's got so many flavors. So you actually come there and he's got all this stuff laid out between the sausage sticks to the jerky and you can try the stuff. And so, yeah, you're right. It's not musky, but it is kind of because how many guys carry beef jerky in the boat when they're out pounding? You got to have your snacks. Yep. A lot of the guys that I fish with, they do. And I, like I said, that's the one booth that has to stay because my eight-year-old loves the show because he can go get his, his beef jerky. He looks for it all the other shows and I don't know that any of them have it. Maybe Milwaukee might have. I don't remember, but... Anyways, that's what he's always looking for. He wants the beef jerky. So as long as that stands there, you'll still get us, you know, you'll still get us coming out there and you'll still get him coming to the show. That's awesome. You know, and listen, if your son wants and you want to bring him for the weekend next year, you know, I'm sure Fisher Smith is going to need a lot of help, you know, in his kid's corner. So if your son would love to come help, we'd love to have him. We'll make sure he has an official Wisconsin Muskie Expo quarter zip 
you know, pullover that he can wear at the show the, for the whole weekend. How's that? Yeah, he'd probably be up to that too. My daughter too, that, my, my older daughter, she'd probably be into it too because she, she finally went out casting and got her first muskie with with uh, Steve Jensen this past summer. So she's excited I saw about that. That, that was awesome. Yep. I saw that. That was, you know, and that's what it's all about. I'm, you know, I mean, that's how I started. I caught my first muskie when I was seven years old. And now looking back 50 years later, you know, I've put a certain amount of time. I mean, for 17 years, I was a full-time guide in Northern Wisconsin. I've been around the muskie industry, as you know, for 38 years, you know, it's been, it's, it's been up and down, but I wouldn't have traded for the world because I was so fortunate to be able to do what I wanted. And for many years, I made a living at this. And I think you're even on your way to that too, as well. You do such a great job, you know, with your, with uh, team Rhino outdoors. I think, you got to be getting, you know, you got to be getting there to the point that you can, you know, not have to do electric work as well as do that company as well, you know. Yeah, we're to the so, point there where I should really be, I should probably be hanging up the tool belt. Maybe not quite this year, but I could see it coming not too far down the down the road. So well, we, you do you do a great job, and we appreciate the compliment. I mean, certainly we try to do the best we can, and I mean, so far everybody still they still like it. We still, you know. Business is still growing. Things are still looking good. So hopefully we can continue to, on that trend yet for 2020. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Another thing I was going to tell you, you know, because a lot of people have asked, you know, when we first started, a lot of people asked why we didn't have the magazine big name musky fisherman. Honestly, you know, you mentioned Steve Jensen earlier. Uh, he was out with your daughter and she caught her first musky. Those are the guys to me that are the most knowledgeable. I think, you know, not taking anything away from guys that are publishing magazines or, you know, writing articles for newspapers or whatever. But I think, you know, a lot of our speakers are fishing guides. You know, Jeff Van Remortal, Phil Stadola, Steve Jensen is going to be there, Noah Binsfield. These are all guides. And yeah, maybe they're not, you know, published in magazines all the time, but they're out there and they're willing to share their information to the people to help them catch more muskies. So, that's what we've been doing, and we've done from day one. We've always had guys like that speak. It's we got a, quite a lineup this year, you know, for speakers. So in my mind, after spending so much time on the water, I think some of the guys we have coming this year, we really got a great lineup of speakers. Well, I know three of the four that you just mentioned. I went fishing with this past summer, and we had a great time with Jeff Vandermortel, and had a great time on the river with Noah Binsfield, and Steve came with me on that trip too. That was fun, and obviously I always fish with Steve since he's always there with, with me in the booth too. So it sounds like yeah, another I, sounds like we're gonna have another great event. You got a lot of speakers going on, a lot of different booths going on. I guess, Rich, I appreciate you taking you know some time out of your day to talk about the Muskie Show, and I mean it's gonna be here before you know it. I think we're from the time we're recording this, we're right about two weeks from setup day. We'll be setting up two weeks from today. So like I said, I just and I'm thank looking you. forward to it. Thank you. You know, I, and we appreciate having you there as a vendor, as well as all the vendors we have there. We're looking forward to everybody coming out and tell them to stop by, say hi. That's what it's about. You know, I love to meet all the people on Facebook. I love, you know, all the people that listen to your podcast, you know, tell them to stop by and, you know, say hi. It's always good to put a face to the name. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you in about two weeks, Rich. Thanks for coming out. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, we just got done talking to Rich Reinert about the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, and now we're going to get Joe Kaiser on the line from Muskie Mob Guide Service and see if he can't teach us a thing or two about fishing in the Midwest.
It sounds like a plan, Jeff. Let's get him on the horn. All right, tonight's guest is Joe Kieser with Muskie Mob Guide Service. Thanks for taking some time out of your day, Joe, to talk with us. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're you know we're happy to have you on. For people that don't know, Joe does a lot of muskie fishing in like the Illinois area. I know he dabbles around up on Green Bay a little bit, but you're primarily guiding out of Illinois. Is that correct? Correct. On the Fox Channel Lake in northern Illinois, like Antioch, Illinois. Sure. Yep, just over the border a little bit then. Correct. So I know you also got a giant fish up in Green Bay last year, so apparently you must play around in Green Bay at least a little bit. Yeah, I make a couple trips up there a year, probably probably more than a couple. But yeah, I do about 10 to 12 trips a year up there in Green Bay, starting out in the spring, just fishing all the uh, tributaries up in Green Bay for the spring bite on opener. A couple trips in the summer for casting, and then I try to get up there in the fall. That's my favorite time. It is trolling the lower bay in uh, September, October, and November. Yeah, those can be great times on Green Bay. So, Joe, you're a first-time guest on the podcast, and typically the first thing we ask a first-time guest is just to give us a little bit of background on them so that people kind of know, you know, just where you came from, what got you into muskie fishing, what led you to where you are now. So if you could kind of just go down that path a little bit, give us a little background on you, that'd be great. Well, I grew up in the Fox Chain area here my whole life. I've been fishing the Fox Chain, I don't know, since I've been about probably nine or ten years old. I didn't dabble in muskie fishing on the Fox Chain at that time. Yeah, I started out uh, pretty much multi-species fishing on the Fox Chain at a pretty young age. Just, you know, panfish, walleyes. I really didn't target muskie at all. And took a, a muskie fishing trip up in Hayward with my father. You know, we did multi-species up there too, but uh, we knew there was muskies in the area in those lakes. Uh, Grindstone Lake, Lakota Ray. We're fishing Grindstone Lake one day. We're trolling. Had a 208 crane bait out, and I hooked into my first muskie. It was a 44-inch tiger muskie. And since that day, I got hooked, got the uh, the muskie bug developed over time, you know, started fishing different areas, going to Lake Vermilion, started fishing the fox chain a little bit more for muskies, pretty much how I got into the sport. The muskie bug can go deep, Joe, you know, and that's one of the things that I think all of our listeners, they're all kind of embedded into that whole muskie game. So, you know, what was it that really kind of took you to that place? I never really caught a fish that big before. You know, you're fishing for multi-species, catching walleyes, like 20-inch walleyes or, you know, small panfish. And all of a sudden, you know, I hook into a 44-inch tiger muskie, and I never, you know, you might have seen fish like that that large just swimming in the lake and stuff like that at a young age, but you never actually hooked into one, you know. Just that, the, the fight back to the boat, getting in the boat and all that, I wanted to do it again. That's when I started really targeting them. They've been stocking a fox chain for years with muskies, and it was in, in my backyard. For sure. That's what happens. You know, you, you get that first fish out of the way. And the next thing you do is, where can I do this at home? So it sounds like that's kind of what took place for you. So yep. your, your guide business, that started when, Joe? I mean, wh- when did that kind of start? I really started targeting muskies probably, you know, I fit, when I was younger, like, you know, when I was 10 years old, I caught my first fish and all that. But it wasn't years, you know, I was probably like 18 years old, 20 years old is when I uh, actually started collecting more baits and actually getting uh, more rods and reels for muskie fishing and really trying to target them. That definitely makes sense. I mean, it's one of them deals. Muskie fishing isn't cheap. And one of the things that uh, I think all of us can relate with is that extra cash that it takes to be a muskie angler, 
definitely uh, it weighs on the pocketbook. And so, you know, it's strategic, if you will, digs inside you and burns. And to the point where all of a sudden you just start, you know, you dig deep and you become a musky angler. Yeah, I pretty much took over 100%. I don't know, I was probably in about around 2010-ish is when it really took off. What happened was it's kind of a small world. I bought a house locally right next to the Fox Chain. There was actually a, a veteran musky guide that lived across the street from me when I purchased my first home. His name is Ben Modica. And one day, you know, I we went and met each other in the middle of the street. You know, we're neighbors. And he's like, oh, you got a boat? I was like, oh, you got a boat too. He's like, what do you fish for? He's like, oh, I'm a musky guide. And then from that point forward, you know, we kind of fished together out there whenever we had a chance. So I learned a lot from him. You know, he's been fishing the Fox Chain for 20-some years. So at that point, when I started fishing with Ben, I started to learn a lot of things. Then I started going out on my own, started fishing other waters on my own. The skill level just kept getting better and better. That's another little part to this whole musky game. I think we all kind of hone our skills, if you will. It takes tons of time. There's there's no question about that. Not for me. I killed it right out the gate. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. All right, what do I say after a comment like that? There's Come nothing. On. There's nothing. That's like mic drop. I'm out. You know, one of those. Deals. Yeah. So, what pretty much launched your guide career, if you will, Joe? I mean, you started out at a younger age. You got your first musket at eight, eighteen. You're kind of gathering some equipment. When did this all kind of come together for your guiding side? Uh, I was probably about uh, two to three years ago. I started taking a lot more friends out fishing, a lot of family. And, you know, they never caught muskies before. At that point in time, I had enough knowledge and, you know, I was putting a lot of fish in the boat. I would take, you know, like I said, my friends and family out. They were just in awe of the size of the fish. And always, you know, every time you catch a fish and put it in a net, there's always a smile on someone's face. Even if it's a bad day of fishing, it's still fun. It definitely can be. And it can always be challenging, as you know. Correct. At the end of the day, it's about the smiles. It's supposed to be fun. A lot of times I think guys get confused and they beat themselves up or they beat up the people around them. This game is supposed to be fun. And so keeping it fun and keeping it real is, is the real deal, in my opinion. Yep. And that's the main goal. You know, you always have a good attitude in the boat, you know, even though if it's, the weather is unpredictable sometimes, you know, and sometimes the fish just don't bite. It's just not going to happen that day. And you may know it. You just can't tell your clients that, but you just got to try your hardest. Try to make a, a bad day into a good day. I got a, Hands down. I got a little story about that, though. I mean, I, I will agree. Joe's totally right. There's certain days where you know it's just going to be rough, but sometimes even on those rough days, you can still grind one bite out. That was kind of how it was. This I, I talk about it all the time, but I took that trip with Steve, and I brought my daughter with, and unfortunately, I saw what the weather was. And so I saw what the weather was leading up to it. And like, we were literally there on like day one of the cold front and I'm going, ah, crap, I'm going to be casting with, you know, with her. And I just want to, I just want to have a shot at a fish. And I knew deep down it was going to be tough fishing, but we managed to get that one bite that we needed that day. So I, I will agree with Joe. There's days where you just know it's going to be going to be tough, but sometimes if you just grind it out, you can get that one bite that you're looking for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work and determination. You know, you might you might gotta I mean, you might have to uh, go through fifty different type of tip, types of bait if you're trolling. You know, if you just keep swapping lures until you find the right color or the right pattern or, or whatever it is. You know, or you might just come across that one fish that it's hungry. So sometimes it's just luck. It can make the, the tough days go really good when just that one bite. That's all it really takes. Or you know, three four follows can change your attitude. Both. So what is your most 
common method, Joe? I know that you do patrolling. Let's kind of slip into the whole fishing game. Pretty much, I'm a 70% troller, probably 30% caster. Coming from Illinois here, we can run three lines a person. And my mindset is if each person could have three lines in the water at, at one time, that's better than having one per person. That increases your odds. It's not like if you're going to go rake your yard, you're going to pick one leaf up at a time, or you're going to actually use a rake and, and, and collect multiple leaves. I definitely get that concept. When you're trolling out there, I know we got a couple listeners' questions about trolling. Jeff, can you kind of share maybe one of those questions and let's pick Joe's brain on it? Well, he kind of answered the one on kind of like why he trolls versus casts, which I totally agree with. I mean, for like I've always said before, people that don't try trolling at all, they're in a sense mess, missing out a little bit. I mean, because like you said, it's three lines per person. So if you're out there by yourself, you're still going to get three lines. They're going to be in the strike zone all the time, blah, blah, blah. We kind of covered all that already. But so that one was already kind of covered. But the other one was kind of like um, about short line tro- trolling or shallow water trolling, Joe. And I know for you guys on the Fox chain, you probably do quite a bit of that early season, I'm assuming. You want to talk a little bit yeah. about short line trolling, kind of like how you go about it? Like what what is considered short line trolling for you? Is it 30 feet back? Is it 20 feet back? Is it five? I mean, I know I know some of the answers, but I know our, some of our listeners don't. And then why don't you talk a little bit about the baits that you use, you know, when you're doing this short line trolling. And again, I'm assuming it's targeting mostly early season muskies. Well, I'll start out with this. Fox chain is open year round. You can fish 365 days a year, as long as there's no ice, obviously. It makes it a little tough. We can target these pre-spawn fish in April. A lot of these fish, they move off out of the deep water into the shallow waters, as especially in the northern facing uh, coves and stuff and bays. These fish will move up shallow to spawn. So the only way to target these fish is that if you're trolling, is to run short lines because you're fishing in five feet of water or less. So essentially short line trolling, at least to me, what I do is I run my baits anywhere from literally just a foot of line and then maybe a 60 inch leader on a down rod or a bolt rod up to maybe 12 to 15 feet of line out. And that's actually quite a bit for short line trolling for myself. Most of the time it's probably 10 feet is max in these type of situations in the early spring in the shallow water. Let's talk about forage, Joe. And once you know the forage, then let's uh, move right into bait selection. The main forage in the fox chain is gizzard shad. They're anywhere from you know four to ten inches. And then there's there's larger ones and smaller ones, but that's about the main profile. There's threadfish shad, white and yellow bass, panfish, and perch, just like most lakes. But the primary forage for the muskie, like I said, is the gizzard shad. The gizzard shad like to school up in early spring because they just like the muskie, they want to find the warmest water, you know. So I'll, I'll drive around and use my side imaging to locate pods of, of shad up in the shallows, you know, five feet or less. Just scanning along the weed edges, you got that first growth of weeds. They're not all the way to the surface, but you might have a foot or two of weeds, you know, early season. If you could find the shad, that's where I would start trolling, short line trolling. The muskies are going to be around there. So talking about those shad, what baits are you using to... Uh to help produce some of these fish? I mean, what are you trying to follow there? Well, mostly using shad imitating baits. In particular, a lot of uh, boss shads, like any bait that's about four and a half inches to five inches is a is a good profile in a shad profile. So we use boss shad, lungeon 22 shorts, four inch slammers, four to five inch tough shad. Another good bait is uh, Joe Booker baby depth raiders. 
We also use bakers, uh, Rapala super shads, stuff like that. Makes sense. Now, you did say that some of those gizzard shad are getting the 10 inches. Do you go to a, a bigger bait at any time? I have tried bigger baits in the fall, out deeper in the basins, uh, when the water temp's dropping down in the fall. And what you got to do is locate the, there's the shad pretty much, again, they start schooling up in the late fall. You got to target these pods of shad and you can run your baits around the shed, not through the shed because you start snagging. There's so many that you'll snag them, but you can use the bigger profile baits like a 10 inch Jake or a, uh, seven and a half inch grandma or nine inch grandma and troll around the, the pods of shad. You can catch fish doing that. And the later in the year, it gets pretty tough to fish. Once once the turnover happens, it's hard to get the fox chain once he's to bite. There's other waters that prefer to fish. This chain froze over at this point in the year, or, or isn't it? The fox chain currently is froze over. It, it freezes over. I mean, depending on how the winter is, this winter was pretty mild in the beginning. But it froze somewhere in late December. How big a system is it, Joe? I don't, I'm not really, I mean, I know about it and this and that, but... I don't realize how big a system it really is. Uh, the Fox Chain is around 7,000 acres. Uh, there's like 488 miles of shoreline. And then you also have the Fox River that flows through the, uh, the system. It comes in through Wisconsin and then flows south. And there's about 45 miles of the Fox River that you can fish as well. Now, when would you spend time on the river versus the actual lake? Actually, in the winter months here is the best time to uh, target the river because it's still open. Doesn't I mean it freezes, but if it has to be really cold to freeze, and with a pretty uh, mild winter, the river will actually stay open. So you can actually uh, you can't take a boat through some of the sections because there's dams in the way and and locks that aren't aren't open in the winter. But there's plenty of uh, opportunities along the shore where uh, there's pockets that you can target muskies. Is that something that you offer to your clients? I mean, are are you trying to fish all winter like that? I do not offer it to clients. I, I do it on the side just by myself, but uh, I do not offer that. It gets kind of, uh, you know, you're walking in rocks and through thickets and stuff like that to get down to the river. You know, there are some dams further south that you can fish, but they're quite a bit away from where I'm at. So is that something you could uh, go scooting through with a jet boat, or do I got to use waders on this one, Joe? Oh, absolutely. You can use a jet boat. There you go, Brad. I know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that fox river goes all the way from uh the fox chain it goes all the way up through uh pretty sure the lakes in uh like the oconomowoc area and it it goes all the way to the, to the green bay so brad the one thing i love about when we talk about rivers and all of our listeners know that the that the question is coming i always want to talk about jet boats the best i can so i'm just glad i got to talk about jet boats on this episode it's not every episode we talk about jet boats but i'd say it's probably almost as often as carrie likes to talk about pan fishing <laughs> well you know the interesting part to that whole thing jeff is we just got done a week ago with the milwaukee musky show and i had a ton of people and they're looking at me like so is jeff gonna get this jet boat before you or are you gonna get it and, I, <laughs> and i'm not in the market for a jet boat at this point i definitely want jeff to get one so that i can join him put it that way i want me to get one too so you can join me it'd be awesome but until then, I'm just going to have to keep talking about it. I'm just hoping that somebody that sells them listen, you know, listens to the podcast and they realize how, many, how much mileage they would get out of me owning their brand of jet boat and they offer me a really sweet deal on one so then I can just get one earlier. That's valid. That's really valid. 
So, Joe, we talked about gizzard shads. We talked about the size of the baits that you're using. How about color? And before I get into the color of the baits, I'd kind of like to understand, you know, what kind of color water are we dealing with on the fox chain? Well, the fox chain, we have some northern lakes that are closer to the Wisconsin border. Uh, Channel and Lake Catherine are spring-fed, and they're fairly clear. You can at times, you could see almost seven feet down probably when it's clear. And then as you go further down through the fox chain, through different lakes, some of the lakes have, are heavier on silt. They get dirtier to almost, you know, one foot of water clarity, maybe two. So the colors can vary depending on what lake you're fishing on the chain. That makes good sense. Are you talking more of a, a chocolate milk type color then from that? I wouldn't say chocolate milk color. You'll get algae bloom, more of a darker color, but it's not that dark, not as dark as chocolate milk. Okay. Are you, um, so let's talk about the color of the baits that you're choosing to use. I'm going to guess, just based off of what you've been talking about, that you're probably kind of following that whole theory of the gizzard shad color. Am I right, or where are we at there? You're 100% right there, especially in the northern lakes, the ones at the top of the, uh, the fox chain. Like I said, Channel Lake, Lake Catherine, Lake Marie are a little bit cleaner, clear at times. You're going to use more of a natural color there, maybe a perch color or a shad, uh, like a shimmering shad or a mother of pearl, something that matches the hatch pretty much. And then as that water gets dirty, because another thing that we didn't talk about is how pressured these lakes are. This is one of the busiest waterways in the country, actually. Adds a lot of boat traffic. You get a lot of silt and just a lot of... Uh, you know, waves turn up the water. So that's what some of the lakes get really dirty from that. Especially if you get a, a lot of rain too. You get a lot of runoff and stuff like that. You get algae blooms. You want to use more of a fire tiger or orange tiger or even a miller perch. You know, something bright. Orange colors, bright green colors, neon colors in the darker water. All makes sense. It's kind of like what we did for a bonus podcast here just a couple days ago, Jeff. Yeah, talked about dark water a little bit. Talked about coffee colored and dark colored and muddy colored and algae bloom colored. So, yeah, we definitely. So, if you want to know a little bit more more about what Brad and I think about color, go visit that episode number forty seven. That was that bonus episode we just put out on Friday. For anybody that's listening, in, in you know, as this is relevant, might be a couple episodes down the road if you're a little late to the party. I know we have some, I talked to some people and they're not, they're not caught up. They're like, I'm only at episode number 16 and I'm listening to all in order. I'm like, Oh boy, you're, you're going to be there a while. They got a few days ahead of them there. <laughs> it's a couple. Yeah. There's something else we could talk about too, is, is the pressure of the Fox chain. Like I said before, I mean, it, it is like a Metro Lake. Well, when I was there, I've only been to the Fox chain, I think just one time and it was, Oh God, it must've been 10 years ago already. And even then, I think I went there in like March or April. And even in March or April, it was still really busy with just people driving around that place. I'm like, man, what is this thing like on a freaking Saturday in the summer? I could only imagine. Yeah, you can uh, imagine that it, it gets real busy, just boats going all different directions. Boats from anywhere from 18 foot to 40 foot scarabs flying around. You know, there's no speed limit on the chain either. So that's can kind of get uh, a little scary in the summer so that's why it's also pre it's pressured from pleasure boaters and then also fishermen because we're so close to milwaukee we're more we're close to uh chicago you know so there's a lot of people that fish on set on, on the weekends oh yeah for sure and then i mean not only are you near all those but you could also be pulling some people from wisconsin especially early season you know if you're in 
whatever Racine or any of those other places that are close. Even I'm thinking Pewaukee isn't probably too far, although I'm not positive if that those people would go fish the Fox chain if Pewaukee Lake is there and open. But, you know, certainly in April, if you get an, you know, a nice early spring, I could see why a lot of guys are going to come down to the Fox chain from Wisconsin. That's what we used to use it for because it's not too far for us. It's maybe three and a half hours to get there, which, which isn't too bad. Yeah, exactly. The Fox chain opens up probably sooner than any lakes in Wisconsin, what, you know, it's pretty further south. The fishing, the muskie season is opening around, so you don't have to wait till Memorial Day weekend. What is it, May 10th in southern Wisconsin? Yeah, it's always that, whatever, the first Saturday in May, which I think yeah. I think this year, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's actually early. I'm thinking it's like maybe even May 1st this year. But yeah. I, or May 2nd, I think. Maybe it's May 1st. It's early this year. I know that. It's about as early as we can do it. With the fox chain, just to give people, you know, an idea, how how is the muskie population out there? I mean, are there a lot of are there a lot of fish? Is it a numbers game? Is it big fish? Is it kind of both? Because I know, you know, the Madison chains down in southern Wisconsin, and that one's got it seems like decent numbers and big fish. Also, is that something that you see in the fox chain, or is that more of a you know you catch a forty six and that's pretty much as big as it gets? Well, to answer your question, the past three years, the DNR has stocked 2,000 fish every year. Muskies, Inc., the club that I'm part of, Fox River Valley, each of those years, we put in about 450 to 500 muskies on top of the 2,000 the DNR put in. If you go back and look at data, the past six years or so, on average, it's about 12,000 fish over that time period. So it's definitely getting some good numbers of fish in there. Now, I would, yeah. I would imagine much like everything in the South, assuming there's not natural reproduction in that lake. Is that correct? Yeah, there is no natural reproduction at all from what I know. But the good, the size of the fish, I would say it's more numbers than size. We have a good mix of 34 inch to probably 42 inch fish. Most of our fish are in that range. You'll probably catch eight or 10 in that range. And then you might get that one, you know, flyer that 46 to 48 out of maybe 10 fish. So there's still a chance that you can get a decent fish out of the fox chain. Absolutely. Absolutely. There there has been a handful of 50s caught within the past, I don't know, couple of years or so. I believe in 2017, uh, there was a couple 50s caught. I mean, they're right at 50 or 50 and a half to 51. I mean, not, nothing, no megas, just put it that way. But they are in there. So, Joe, circling back to short line trolling, the one thing I didn't kind of expand on everything there. I'm assuming that when you're short line trolling, you are using planer, planer boards. Is that correct? It all depends on uh, how bad the weeds are. Uh, a lot of the weeds, early, especially early, early in the season, there's probably not too many floating weeds. That's more of a you know midsummer thing where the boats are chopping all the weeds up and they're floating on the surface where we put our just down rods and boat rods. So in the spring, you could use planer boards. I generally run just uh, boat rods and maybe one planer board. So two down rods in the prop in the prop wash and then two boat rods just with the tips in the water and then two board rods if we got two people in the boat so one thing i guess i would say like somebody that's new to trolling they would think it's probably pretty crazy if let's just say you had five feet of line out and your leader you know so you're somewhere between nine and eleven total feet out and you're not putting it on a planer board so that thing is literally like almost right next to the boat obviously the bait's only running two three four feet down at that point and muskies will still hit that I know that a lot of people seem to think that the boat scares muskies, but I can tell you from, you know, certainty that it doesn't. I'm assuming you've seen similar experiences on the water. Yeah, the muskies are absolutely not not afraid of it. We get plenty of numbers 
uh, shoreline trolling in the spring. Like I said, they'll bite a line that's six, eight feet from away from the boat. You, sometimes if the water's pretty clear in the spring, you can actually see the bait. Just to give us a time frame exact on this, you know, not exactly, but like, is this a water temperature deal or is it something that happens as soon as the ice goes out? What kind of time frame are you looking at for, you know, guys that are looking to get out and do this, either book a trip with you to check it out or, or do it on their own? What, what type of time frame are you talking? Shortline trolling is pretty much primarily in March and April. You, either, you, you can either use that technique of shortline trolling or the Fox chain also offers a great glider bite. So if you can get up into the shallows and throw gliders, it's another good presentation to use out there. Of course, if you're going to throw a glider, the squircle would probably be my bait of choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you threw that one right in there, didn't you? <laughs> I figured I haven't pimped that bait hardly ever on this one, even though you know we own that company now. So I just thought maybe I would throw that in there. It'd be like the baby squircle would be perfect opportunity for this right now. So if you want to, Go to our website, check us out. We got an awesome selection of baby squircles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Backlash Podcast infomercial. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it. It was just wide open. <laughs> he left it right there for me. It was like this, you know, uh, it was like a fastball that didn't have any break on it. And I just nailed that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a water temperature thing as well. Like you're, you're focusing on water, your water temperature during that time. It is like 45 to 55 degrees. So it's before spawn when you're targeting those fish up in the shallows. I got a question for you, Joe. You know, you're talking about short line trolling. You have three rods per person. How are you managing, you know, without running boards like that, how are you managing your lines? So say there's three of us in the boat, that's nine lines. How are you managing the distance and what are you actually trying to do with each rod to make sure you don't have tangle ups and so on and so forth. I use a combination of different length rods to position each, each bait. We use two seven foot down rods. You can use a six between six and eight foot down rod. That's going into the prop wash straight down into the water. And then, uh, I use two longer nine foot rods to uh, get the spread a little further away from the, the prop wash rods. I run two planer board rods that are nine feet long. Good sense. I, I've done it myself, but I just figured, you know, the listeners that are thinking about that kind of stuff, you know, it's it's pretty unique. I remember fishing with a guy that basically used like surf rods. They were 14 to 16 feet long. And what that enabled them to do is put those rods out even further away from the boat. So the rod tips were actually in the water catching the weeds normal guys are trying to have the rods out of the water and that line is just going to feed the weeds right to the bait. So if you can use a really long rod, like you're talking, it definitely going to um, cut down on weed problems with your baits. But I'm going to guess you're dealing with that continuous all day, cleaning baits. And that's part of the game when it comes to that trolling. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to check your rods all the time. Uh, a lot of floating weeds and debris. You got to check your baits. You know, it all depends on how much floating stuff's on the surface, but at least every 15 minutes I'm checking a bait or two just to make sure it's running right and there's nothing on the hooks or nothing like that. Weeds, like, like you said, the weeds will go right down the line if your tips are in the water and it'll just follow your lure up. You're not going to catch a fish. So, Joe, we've talked a lot about early season, pre-spawn, and spawn muskies. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you target these fish post-spawn? Well, generally in May, the third week of May, right around that time, that's post-spawn. It's anywhere from 58 degrees to 65 degree water temps. The fish are, you know, right away, that, that first couple of weeks there, the fish are in recovery mode. 
but not for too long. And after that, after spawning, they generally start to put the feed bag on and they move out to a little deeper water. So that's when you can start targeting uh, that first break line anywhere from 10 to 15 feet and changing your uh, your technique of trolling to more of a long line trolling. So typically, are you talking same baits that you were early season, still going with that smaller four and a half inch, five inch shad style bait? Or are you going to change it up and go a little bit bigger than what you had been using? Like what's, what's the thought process on that? I generally use the same baits, same size baits, anywhere from four to, you know, five to six inch baits all year long because the shad are, are pretty much that, that same size. And that's pretty much what the, the, the muskies are. That's their primary forage. So you don't really, I mean, you can, you can run bigger baits. I've actually, we've caught fish on, you know, seven inch gram, seven and a half inch gram and stuff like that. But a lot of fish come on the smaller, the smaller profile for some reason. And especially a smaller profile like a boss shad or a 22 short that have a good vibration and a tight wiggle. They don't walk a lot. So are you using these, Joe, as well for casting? Are you using those 22 shorts, the boss shad? Are you casting them as a presentation as well? I don't cast them too often. I mean, I have, but I prefer trolling those type of baits out here. When we start casting, use more bucktails, single eights, double eights, smaller profile bucktails. One of the good baits past couple of years out here was a eight nine combo. Had to ask the question just basically based on a lot of listeners are not trolling guys. You know what I mean? And so when they hit a different body of water, yes, you got three lines per person, but some guys just absolutely refuse to troll. So I had to ask the question. As those fish are uh, post spawn and they're starting to put the feedback on, they've already recovered from the spawn and all that, the fish become more active and the water temperatures increase. You know, it's later in the spring. You're going into June. You can actually increase your trolling speed. My ideal speeds during that time, anywhere from 3.2 miles per hour to 3.5 to 3.6 miles per hour, where when you're short line trolling pre-spawn, you're going a little slower than that. You're going like 2.5 to 3.3, 3.2-ish. And pretty much... You just let the fish tell you what, what they want. You start slow and work your way up or start fast and work your way down until you start getting action. If you get a rip, then maybe just replicate that same thing, you know? Definitely makes sense. As he's talking, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, in Wisconsin, and same thing with Minnesota, we have seasons. So obviously we can't necessarily target them pre-spawn, but I have a feeling that if you had a late spring like we've had the last three or four years, this type of stuff would be available for a lot of anglers to do early season because some of those males are still going to be up shallow. Potentially some of those females are going to be up shallow. You know, if you're in Northern Wisconsin, you can't run three lines per person, but you can run one. It's just something that you never see take place up there. And I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking in my head, you know, just different ways to attack muskies. Cause I'm not a troller or a caster. I don't really care how I do it. I just want to catch them. Any way you can put a fish in the bag is doesn't matter which way you catch it. Well, that's my mentality. That's not everybody. Some people just don't want to troll it. I don't have any problems with people that don't want to troll. I get it. It's fun. It's visual to see a strike sometimes if you get to see that. It's visual if you get to see figure eight, or I mean, uh, following fish, which is sweet. But it for me, it's personally about catching muskies. I found that I really like hearing the, you know, the drag scream. That's a lot of fun. I found that I like it when you're, you know, working a jerk bait and you make that pause and you come back and there's a bunch of weight and you just see head, head thrashes and thrashes around. It's the whole, the whole thing about the sport is what I love about it and, so that's why I'm willing to try different stuff. And, you know, listening to you talk just has me thinking like, you know, one thing I never do is early season troll and maybe it's something I should try. 
again, I, I hope the podcast sometimes just opens up people's minds to different ways to attack these muskies. I'm the same as a lot of these guys. Like I go start the season out and I'm going to start early season. I'll probably throw glide baits or, you know, whatever, depending on water temperature, I might work into bucktails right away or smaller rubber baits or, you know, smaller suics or whatever. And then some starting early season in the weeds and then I start to push out and then maybe that's when I'll start trolling. Whereas sometimes I wonder if we don't miss bites, you know, that's one thing you never hear is an early season trolling boat bite up North and maybe there's one. Yeah. You never know. You have to try to find out. That's one thing we have here. I mean, our trolling bite is literally from, uh, the third week of May all the way. I'll, I'll, I'll troll all the way up until September and that's when I'll start casting. Definitely not the way I target them, but that's not, that's not to say your way is wrong. I guarantee it's not. So it's just yeah. different. It's also weird because when I was, I don't know, I went through a phase probably again, maybe it might've been 10 years ago where I love trolling. I wanted to troll all the time. I fish with Steve Jensen quite a bit. People know him, you know, know he's a good friend of mine and he'd always give me a hard time. Cause when I went and see him, I'd always end up casting and now he's giving me a hard time because he's like, well, what happened to you? You used to like to troll all the time. And I'm like, I don't know. As I've gotten older, I don't mind casting either. So I don't which is wrong. I should, as I get older, I should want to save my body and spend less time casting, but I don't know. I just don't troll as much as I used to. And I, I don't know why I still like it. It's still fun. Like I said, just, you know, different ways to catch them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know about up there by you, but I know down here at a Fox Shane, it's pretty warm with the water temperatures. A lot of the lakes are darker body waters. The water temperature will reach over 80 degrees at times. So sometime in uh, like this past year, it was about, yeah, probably around, right around July 4th, maybe the week before July 4th is when that water temperature hits 79 degrees. I pretty much back off off of them until that water temperature drops back down to about the mid-70s, the low 70s. So we took about a three-week hiatus from really targeting any muskies at all on the Fox chain. With that being said, Joe, are you a multi-species guide as well? I know you, that you like fish and walleyes. Is that something that you do and offer to clientele? I do, actually, yes. I do enjoy fishing for walleyes and crappies, too you know, panfish. And uh, when that water temperature gets high up there on the Fox chain, like in the, you know, 80 or 79 and above, uh, we'll target other lakes. We have a couple of lakes in Southern Wisconsin that the water temperature will not reach 80 degrees. It'll stay, you know, low seventies maximum. So I'll, I'll move on to those lakes. So Joe, we just want to thank you for coming out to talk to us a little bit about Fox chain, Illinois muskies, Northern Illinois muskies. If somebody's looking to get more information about you and your guide service or possibly book a trip with you, What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can call me at 847-833-7900, or you can check out my website at muskymobguideservice.com. And I'm also on Facebook at muskymobguideservice. So Brad and Carrie, you want to talk a little bit about Musky Mayhem Tackle? You can reach out to us. You know, we're the originators of the big bladed flashaboo bucktails, if you will, the non-bucktail. But uh, we're proud to be the originators of using Flashaboo, introduced it to this industry. You can reach out to us through muskymayhemtackle.com, or you can reach out to us through Instagram Facebook as well. We love to hear from everybody, and we truly appreciate our customers. And if anybody wants any information about Team Rhino Outdoors, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. I've talked about it in episodes in the past. Most recently is real-time inventory update that's one thing i don't push enough about our website so if you can add it to your cart and you can check out you know we should have it in stock you're good to go hopefully you won't get any phone calls or emails that's saying we're out of stock and you shouldn't unless my wife can't count and i can't count which you know 
I'm from the country, so it's possible, but it's rare. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and that pretty much covers Team Rhino Outdoors. Backlash Podcast. If you want to find out more about us, see what's going on, go check out our Instagram, go check out our Facebook page. If you want to email us, email us at backlashpodcast at gmail.com. If you found this podcast one time, you can probably find it again, but if you're looking for other places places to listen, go find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Overcast, and I think that's it. Uh, one last piece there that you forgot to mention, Jeff, is YouTube. And with that being said, you can only, you can listen to the podcast right on YouTube as we slowly get them on there, right, Jeff? Slowly is the keyword. <laughs> right, but any new ones are going to be out there right away. Um, Fair, the fairly, that, hold, hold on, they will be fairly out there right away. I wouldn't say they're going to be instantaneous. The best place to find the most updated podcasting information from us or podcasts from us is still on a podcasting platform. But yes, the YouTube does get updated. It's a little bit slower sometimes, though. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think we should talk a little bit about the video we just released as well, Jeff. I think you should talk about the video you released. You and Matt and Carrie are the ones that were involved in it. I just had to upload it. So I I didn't have to do anything about it. And I think it turned out fabulous, by the way. Yeah, you know, one of the things with all the different side imaging talk that we've had on the podcast over the last however many months we've been doing this, say 48 different uh, recordings, we have had a ton of people asking us, how do we mount our SI transducer? So what we did is we had one of our pro staffers, Matt Seifert, he has rigged a ton of different boats. And one of the things that we discussed we were going to do is put out a video which we have done. And actually, I think that came out just today, right? I mean, technically it came out last night. We started pushing it a little bit today, but yeah. Yep. Right. So, you know, this is Thursday before the recording. This will come out on Wednesday. So, you know, it's been out there a week. I encourage everybody to go check it out. And the reason that you're going to check it out is so that you can make sure your transducer is reading properly. The video should walk you through that, and we're always here for other questions and answers. So take a look at it. It's right on the Backlash Podcast YouTube channel. And then one last thing before we go, let's talk about two musky shows. So if you want musky mayhem tackle products, you can find them in the Stealth Tackle booth at Musky Max, and that is in Pennsylvania, and that the dates are March 7th and 8th. As you heard earlier in the podcast, we talked to Rich Reinert from the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, and you can find Team Rhino Outdoors at the Wisconsin Muskie Expo, and that's where you can find your Muskie Mayhem Tackle products at the Wisconsin Muskie Expo in the Team Rhino Outdoors booth, and that would be March 6th, 7th, and 8th. I don't think we have anything else to talk about, so we just want to thank Joe for spending some time talking Illinois muskies with us. So thank you, Joe. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Brad Carey, once again, thanks for coming along for the ride. I really appreciate you guys spending some time with me every week. Well, I wish I could believe that, but thanks for having us, Jeff. Oh, we're not friends again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just basing my comment off after the last podcast. I think that where... was actually the other podcast. I don't think it was the last <laughs> one. I think we were friends again last time. <laughs> oh, it's all great, man. I, I love being on here. It's super fun, and it's just basically talking to friends. So I love it. Let's uh, We'll keep pounding away at this. Yep. Well, once again, we want to thank all of our listeners for coming out, and we'll catch you all next Wednesday. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>